Venomous Duck Media presents Gareth and the Lost Island Episode 3 The Journey Begins Disclaimer This audio drama should be considered rated PG-13 for discussions of sexual hijinks, drinking, consuming questionable potions, brief moments of violence, crude language, and even cruder humour. Please use caution when listening in public, as this story may cause audible laughter. Venomous Duck Media is not liable for any strained abdominal muscles you may receive while listening, or the strange looks you might get from other commuters. If laughter persists for more than four hours, seek immediate medical attention. Thanks for coming with me to clean out my office. Just so you know, I'm sorry for dragging you two into this. It's not fair that you got banished with me. When I signed the guardianship papers for you at the orphanage, I promised that I would look after you, no matter what. You're my son, Gareth, and dwarves take care of their own. Uh-huh. Thanks, both of you. That really means a lot to me. Look at it this way. We weren't sacked. We were just put on indefinite sabbatical. Soon we'll be off on a grand adventure, or a friend queen, as we dwarves call it. Oh, what? As you know, the dwarves have a unique way of looking at things. Going on our friend queen means traveling to faraway places, meeting new people, and then having lots of sex with them. <sighs> Here's my office. Let me go first so I can turn on the ethereum lights so you don't trip over anything. While I don't speak Chimish, I'm pretty sure I know what you mean, and I have to say I agree completely. Gods of rock, ore, and ale, Gareth, how do you manage to find anything in this mess? My filing system may not look like much to you, but I know where everything is. Alright, prove it. What's in the second box from the top in the stack over there? That box contains a collection of Issyan works that were halfway between a book and a newspaper. Unlike the newspapers we have today, which are published daily, those were only published once a month. All right, let's find out. Hmm, what's this? I like how this center bit unfolds into something large enough to hang on a wall. I especially like the nude woman depicted on it, even if she is an elf. I'm just going to borrow this to, uh, study later. Henry, do you mind holding this worthless tablet while I empty what I can from my desk into my satchel? <laughs> sure. Thanks. Gareth, come here. This looks just like the tattoo on your ass. Calm down, Henry. I do have two questions for you. 
The first one is, what are you talking about? Saying the tablet has a rune that looks just like the one I have tattooed on my butt. The tablet's just covered in nonsense scribbles. The second question is, how did you know I have a tattoo on my butt in the first place? I've never showed it to you. Lad, pretty much the whole campus knows you have a tattoo on your butt of a rune in that weird language you spoke and read when you washed up on the shores of the IRD. What? How? Why? What do you remember from the party we threw when you got your language mastership? I remember there were quite a few of my students, lots of drinking, and, well, that's about it, actually. Once you were well into your cups, you somehow got it into your head that it would be a great idea to streak nude across the campus. Henry and I chased you from building to building while you quoted obscure poetry in several different languages. Look across the tablet rather than directly at it. Look across the tablet rather than directly at it? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, you're right. A different image does show up when I tilt it away from my eyes. I wonder if there's something like that on the back side of the tablet. Huh. Okay. That is absolutely the last thing I would have expected to be written on an ancient clay tablet. What does it say? What the hell's Gareth? Sorry. The runes on the backside were instructions that said, break to open. Looks like there was a metal tablet hidden inside the clay one. At least this one is covered in runes I can see without tilting it in funny directions. Don't keep us in suspense, Gareth. What does it say? It doesn't actually say anything. Or at least not in a way I understand. The runes are just groups of numbers with the occasional letter thrown in. What's really irritating is that I can vaguely remember seeing something similar to this. But I haven't the foggiest ideas to wear. Well, while you're trying to jog your memory, I'm going to go look through that box again. I'm definitely interested in seeing what was in that Issian periodical with the teal-skinned man on the front. That would be a male cron. Their skin would turn blue when they would go into their bi-weekly fertility cycle. Wait, that's it! That's where I've seen it! The sequence is a fertility cycle? Not a fertility cycle, but it was cronish. Henry, I need you to climb up to the top of that bookcase over there in the corner and grab whatever maps you can find. Trollness, I need you to help me get to the bottom box of this stack. Easy. Trollness? Oh, come on. It's not like you're the one who will have to clean the mess up. Good point. We're looking for a book bound in light brown leather with a cronish star and circle on the front. This one? Yeah, that's the one. Now to clear my desk, Trollness style. Here are the only maps I could find. Thanks, Henry. Okay, we need this map and that one. They're both maps of Hadronas, just 13,000 years apart. Unroll the first one while I look up how the Chronos wrote down map coordinates. They're definitely map coordinates. Now that we know what the first set of runes means, I think I have an idea what the second sequence means as well. Are those even in the same language? 
the characters look totally different. That's because the second set is written in Issian. There's a chart near the back of this book that helps translate between Issian and Kronish map data. <laughs> they match up perfectly! Okay, now we're getting somewhere. And that somewhere is right here. A small town on the coast of the northern continent. And that is going to be a problem. Why? All we need to do is charter an airship and we'll be there in a week, maybe two. This map was made before the Second Great Apocalypse. During that apocalypse, one of the ancient races released weapons that caused tremendous earthquakes across the face of Hadronis. This map is only a few years old. And this is what the coastline looks like now. That town is nearly 50 miles out into the ocean. A great big bloody ocean! Why did the town have to be in the middle of tons and tons of liquid death? Are you okay, Trollus? One of the things dwarves are most scared of is drowning when a cave suddenly fills up with water. Large bodies of water scare us silly. Trollus, you live on an island in the middle of the narrow sea. Yes, and you have not once seen me at the beach the whole time we've known each other. Alright, well, since gyms can't swim, I guess I'll just have to make the dive myself. No, you better make it two suits. I'll not let my son go into a watery hell full of darkness and death alone. While we're on the subject, any ideas where to find a pair of diving suits? It's not like we can ask the Dean to loan us some from the School of Nautical Sciences. We just won't ask him then. It's much easier that way. What did he say? He said we just won't ask before we take them. It's easier that way. Where's Henry? I thought he was going to meet us here at the town home. He said he would meet us in the park near the sea labs. <sighs> I went and bought this trench coat for him. I knew Henry hates pants, and it was the only thing I could think of that would cover his orange fur. We'll be awfully exposed on the walk there, and I would feel better if we could all hide in the shadows if we need to. Our teaching jackets are dark enough, but his orange fur would really draw attention to us. <laughs> Leave it. I promise you'll be impressed with what he comes up with instead. I hope you're right. Since we don't have to wait, let's be off. With the weather as nice as it is, that was a really pleasant walk. Feels like it took no time at all. We're at the park when and where you said we were to meet Henry, and no sign of my butler. You would think that with the watch I got him for his last birthday, the blasted chim could show up on time. <coughs> Just let it out, Gareth. You're liable to rupture something if you don't. <laughs> Look over there in that tree. Yes, it's a tree. I don't see what's so funny about it. <laughs> Get closer. <laughs> You'll see it eventually. Fine. Um, Gareth, part of that tree is moving, and there's no wind tonight. <laughs> Even closer, Trollness. What? 
is that? <laughs> that would be a gym's ass shaking rhythmically at you. I thought that as a doctor, you'd be able to identify one when you saw it. <sighs> ah! Wait, Henry? You almost made me shite my drawers. With you covered head to toe in mud and leaves, with only your eyes and teeth showing, you look like some sort of forest monster, or an elf who doesn't shave their pubes. <sighs> now that I'm not afraid of my heart jumping out of my throat, I'll have to say you were right, Gareth. I am impressed. For as long as they can remember, Henry's family had been the hunters of their clan, and they were responsible for feeding a whole village. Over the centuries, his family learned that ambushing their prey was much easier than chasing after it. Even after they immigrated to the IRD, Henry's parents taught him how to camouflage himself in case he needed to do something without being seen. Now that we're all here, what next? We somehow have to get past that wall over there, make it across the grounds of the School of Nautical Sciences without being seen, and break into the equipment shack. And this part of the wall is sunk down a bit, so it's only about six feet tall. So it's our best bet for climbing over. Trollness, I'll bend down and make a stirrup with my hands. Once you put your foot there, I'll stand up quickly and try to get you as close to the top of the wall as I can. Right. On the count of three then? Sure. One, two, three. <clears throat> Oof. If evolution had wanted dwarves to do this, it would have given us wings, or at least longer legs. <clears throat> there. That's one over, and now for the second one. Whoa! Ouch! Son of a... You have got to be kidding me. Sounds like Charles made it over without too much damage. Alright, now it's my turn. Henry, trade places with me. Okay, same as Trollness. One, two, three! Ah, oh, too much oomph, Henry. And here I go right past the top of the wall. This is gonna hurt when I land. Oh. Yep, I was right. Lots of pain. Oh, that looks like it hurt. It also smells something awful. What is it with you and getting horse shite on your jacket lately? <laughs> At least I didn't fall into a Velcronum bush. <sighs> Those flower petals are going to be hells to get off your clothes. Help me up, please. I don't want Henry to land on me. Here. <sighs> Shouldn't Henry have come over that wall by now? Yeah. I wonder what... Hi guys! I hope you didn't mind, but I thought I would take the easy route. Uh, let's agree to never speak of this again. My lips are sealed. Come on, let's hurry over to the main building so we aren't so exposed on the lawn. Huh? What are you three doing skulking around here late at night? On second thought, don't tell me. As far as I'm concerned, I saw nothing. Well, did you find out what was making all that noise? Yeah, just a 
human and a dwarf dressed all in filthy teaching jackets with a chim covered head to toe in mud. I'd think they're up to no good if the dwarf wasn't covered in flowers with the human covered in what smells like horse shit. They must have some kind of nature fetish. Oh, well, do you want to hang around and watch? Nah. The last time I watched a dwarf led menage a trois, I was distracted for a week trying to figure out how they managed to get into some of the positions they did. Although, thinking back to that week does give me some ideas. Let's give these blokes some privacy, and head back to the guard shack for some quality time for ourselves. I thought you would never ask. What just happened? I'll let you know once I figured it out myself. Did that guard really leave? I think so? Let me go peek my head around the corner of the building. Yeah, I saw two of them, and they were both headed back into the guard shack. Oh, that was way too close. Henry, my original plan was just to break the lock on the equipment shack. But I have a better idea now. What do you think about using those trees for cover over there and go get the keys for us? I'm pretty sure those gents will be fairly distracted for a while. Sure. How long do you think it will take them to steal the keys? Knowing Henry like I do, I'd say not long at all. Got them! Great job, Henry. Off to the equipment shack, gentlemen. We have some thievery to get to. Unless you want to see a grown dwarf shite himself in fear over being so close to the sea, I would suggest you put a wiggle in it, Gareth. Last key on the ring. It has to be this one. Hey! Thanks be to blessed, thick stone walls. Henry, would you mind closing the door while Charles and I try to find what we need for a deep water dive? Mm -hmm. For the record, I haven't the foggiest idea of what you're looking for. The deep water suits you're looking for are made out of oiled leather, rubber, and brass. There should also be matching helmets made out of brass and glass, with a fitting for an air hose on top stored relatively close to the suits. While you look for those, I'll see if I can find a pair of RBT. What are RBT? These things. Runic breathing tubes, RBT. There are silver tubes engraved with runes that transfigure water into air when you breathe in and then back again when you exhale. They're good for diving down to around 40 meters or so. Any deeper than that? And we'll need one of the suits with an air hose attached. Wouldn't it make more sense to just attach one of those tubes directly to the helmet instead of having to rely on an air hose to keep you alive? One less point of failure is one less opportunity for the ocean to snuff you out like a candle. I asked my dive instructor the same thing. He said that they sometimes have to dive off the coasts of countries run by some of the more conservative religions. Finding any mechanical item paired with something magical is an instant death sentence in those bastions of stupidity. Those countries even go so far as to make sure that the two different types of diving equipment are transported in separate crates. I was told 
Some places are so strict that if the wizarding religious police see the same person using both types of equipment, the offender is flogged in public. That's one of the things that has frustrated me my entire life. I hate how the religious zealots get away with blocking people from using common sense. So, are we going to worry about religious inspections, or are we packing all the stuff in one crate? <laughs> one crate, of course. Hey Henry, grab that box of adapter rings over there so we can hook the room tubes to the suits. That way, we won't have to steal an air pump as well. While you two load the suits and helmets we're borrowing into one of those wheelbarrows over there, I need to see if I can remember where the dive master keeps the experimental stuff. If she still has what I'm looking for, it will make things even safer for us on a deep water dive. Well, horse, it looks like we're almost to the airship port. I really want to thank you for being such a great listener ever since we left University City. Since both Henry and Cronus fell asleep almost as soon as we passed through the city gates. Although, I can't say that I blame either one. Trollness can't stay awake in a moving carriage for longer than 20 minutes, and Henry looked like he hadn't slept a wink last night. I'd feel really guilty keeping Henry awake, since I'm pretty sure he stayed up all night looking after me. <laughs> yeah, I agree completely. Well, actually, I have no idea what you said, but it seems rude not to respond when spoken to. Now back to Henry. I could hardly fail to notice that my teaching jacket was spotless this morning despite our little adventure last night. I can't decide if I would rather it have been because Henry stayed up all night cleaning it, or that he set out to steal another jacket from that scumbag politics instructor. Uh, you're right, I, I'm being silly. It should be the stealing from the politician thing. Well, sorry to cut this short, but it looks like we're here. Whoa. Excuse me, sir. Can you tell me where I can park this wagon? And then, where I can go to hire an airship? <sighs> Stupid ground pounders. You park your wagon over there, where all the other wagons are parked, in the obvious parking lot marked with the large sign that reads Wagon Parking. Hiring an airship will need to be done in that big building with all the people coming and going out of it. Uh, thank you. Of course, to do that, you'll need to stop your wagon and climb off it. Then you'll have to walk over to the building. Thanks. Once you reach the door to the building, you'll have to open it before you can go inside. Trying to walk through a closed door will only leave you with a sore nose. Yeah, I get it. After you get the door open, you'll have to walk inside by placing one foot in front of you. Whoa! <clears throat> Wake up, you two. We're here. What bloody luck. My dream was just getting good. I was out on a date with a rather handsome Rojas, whose red skin really set off his cheek and forehead ridges. What made it even better was that instead of their normal head quills, his head was covered in dick. Too much information again there, Trollus. <laughs> Fine. Help me down then instead. Oof. No, Henry. I need you to stay here and keep an eye on our luggage and equipment. 
There is no doubt in my mind that if we leave the wagon unattended, the whole thing would mysteriously vanish before we could walk 20 paces. No problem. Me and Mr. Smashy will play a rousing game of slap a bitch if anyone comes near the wagon. That's a good lad. Lead on, Gareth. Do you think Henry will be alright guarding the wagon? Considering Chim's look more than a little bit mentally unhinged when snarling, and he's giving that large cast iron skillet of his some impressive practice swings. Yes, I think he'll be just fine. Oh, I see what you mean. You've been on expeditions before. How do we go about hiring an airship? I have no idea. Professor Rand always took care of the details. Personally, I think she just used the opportunity as another excuse to get out of teaching in a classroom. The only thing I remember her saying was that she wished there was a better way of doing things than dealing with the shipping guild. Well, at least it can't be nearly as bad as dealing with the Dean and Nutless. Then again, I could be wrong. Imaginary friends in the sky. It sounds like a herd of cattle in here. What? I can't hear you. Wow, is it just me? Or do you feel like we're in the middle of a herd of cattle? What? I can't hear what you're saying. What? Oh, never mind. I think I see the shipping guild booth on the far wall. Follow me. Huh? I have no idea what you mean by a flipping tooth over a tarfall. What are you doing? Wait up, Gareth. Thank goodness. The acoustics of this room make it not as loud as it was in the entryway, right, Gareth? Gareth? Now where did he get off to? Oh, there he is. <laughs> Let's see. Dazed eyes and a goofy grin. I'm pretty sure I know what distracted him. So, Gareth, whose arse are we ogling? What? I said, whose arse are we ogling? Sorry, I got distracted. A beautiful woman with bright red hair walked by a few stalls over. While some people might call her chubby or even fat, I'd argue that she has great curves in all of the right places. And I wasn't ogling her arse, no matter how cute it looked. Like you taught me, a gentleman in the Granite Staff household never ogles. They simply stare in appreciation of the beauty displayed. It makes me proud to know I raised you right. Now hurry. It looks like there's a break in the foot traffic just ahead that will put us close to the shipping guild booth. Slithering salamander shite. Gareth, hold up, quick. Get behind this trading company booth. What's going on? Remember when I said I didn't think this would be worse than dealing with the Dean and Nutlice? Yeah? Well, I'm a short enough person to admit when I'm wrong. Very, very wrong. I think you better be the one doing the talking here. Do you know the dwarf running the shipping guild booth? I don't recognize him. And I'm sure I would remember seeing anyone with a beard more impressive than yours. She's an ex-girlfriend. And things didn't end well between us. Hold on a tick. Did you just say ex-girlfriend? I thought you were always kidding when you said female dwarves had beards as well. Now you know why all dwarves are at the bare minimum bisexual. When both sexes look the same, the soonest you find out if your date is a man or a woman is when the clothes come off. 
That makes sense, I suppose. Alright, so I don't go into a situation blind. Why don't you tell me why you two broke up? She caught me in bed with her brother. You know, I really wish I could say that surprises me. But I can't. You're right. I should do the talking. Uh, excuse me, sir. I mean, ma'am. I... Tralness. I thought I'd seen the last of your two-timing a despicable carcass. Brega! You're looking well. You. Human. What do you want? You better not be wasting my time. You already have one strike against you for showing up with him. We... I mean, I... was hoping you could tell us how we'd go about chartering an airship. Oh, gods below and above save me from stupid ground pounders. <sighs> Write down your name, where you are wanting to go, how many are in your party... And what type of cargo you have, if any. At the bottom of the form, write down the most you are willing to pay. If it looks like a good deal, more than one ship might be interested in it. And it's possible you can get the price to come down in the bidding war. When you're done filling out the form, give it to me and I'll post it on the job board. Thank you, ma'am. Definitely a ma'am. No confusion whatsoever on my part. And may I say, what a handsome... Uh, I mean beautiful beard you have. Judging by your glare, I should just shut up now. And fill out the form like you told me to. Here you go. Give me that. Now, let's see. <laughs> oh, this is just perfect. <laughs> Good luck finding a captain willing to piss off Deke Newtlace, one of the biggest merchants in the IRD. You and that worthless brother buggerer better be good swimmers if you want to get off this island any time in the next several decades. Magnate Newtlace made it clear that any captain doing business with you would never do business with him or any of his partners ever again. Now... Leave me be, and take that pile of dragon shit granite stuff with you. I'm taking my lunch break early. That could have gone better. Actually, I thought it went rather well. Last time Brega and I met, I ended up needing several stitches after she shot me in the arse with a crossbow. Believe me when I tell you that trying to stitch up your own arse using a mirror is a stone bitch. She tried to kill you? No, not at all. Brega can put out the eye of a cave viper from 50 paces. She just wanted to make sure I would have a permanent reminder of our relationship. Not that I'm worried or anything, but would you mind standing between me and Brega's booth? Sorry to eavesdrop, but are you two wanting to hire an airship? Oh, wow. You are even prettier up close. With your green eyes, pale skin, freckles, and that cute oil smudge at the tip of your nose. And, uh, I, I just said all of that out loud, didn't I? Yep. At least now, I don't have to worry about that old adage that says all of the really cute ones are either married, gay, undead, or any combination of the above. I'm Dr. Trollness Granite Staff. 
And this normally eloquent lad is my son, Professor Gareth Mintel. Yes, we are looking to hire an airship. I'm Isadora Morgana, the engineer and part owner of the Glorious Dawn. My friends call me Izzy. Even though I'm about to die of embarrassment, I'd like to say that it's a pleasure to meet you, Izzy. I'd be honored if you would call me Gareth. <laughs> Once you get to know the good doctor here, I'm sure he would appreciate you calling him Trollness instead of the other less pleasant names I'm sure you'll come up with. To answer your earlier question, yes, we need to hire an airship for an undetermined amount of time for an archaeology expedition. Aside from us, we have a third member of our party and a small wagon load of supplies and equipment. Provided that you don't mind if we load up on other cargo and Trollness would be willing to offer his services free of charge to the crew, I think we can make a deal. This has been Gareth and the Lost Island. Episode 3. Starring Peter McGiffin as the narrator and Henry's translator, Alan Petty as Trowness Granite Staff, Patrick Mallard as Gareth Mintel, Derek Fine as University Guard 1, Alex Vansell as University Guard 2, Jeff Vestro as Airship Port Guard, Justine Leah Hintz as Brega, and Deborah Mallard as Izzy Morgana. Any resemblance between the Airship Port Guard and the TSA is purely intentional on the part of the writer. Gareth and the Lost Island was written and directed by Patrick Mallard. <laughs>